Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good evening. Thanks everybody for being here. Wow, we're so happy that you're here. So thankful for our generals joining us tonight. Their service is so meaningful to us here in this meeting. The generals panel is specifically for any warrior that's in the program, programs here, but also specifically it's a Q&A for parents and leaders. So we really hope that you will be sending in your questions. You can send them in to everybody or privately in the chat just while we're getting started because the first part of this meeting, we won't necessarily be covering your questions, but covering our topic. And uh, Brighton, our facilitating clinician, will will tell us what that is here in just a second, but I always forget to say who I am. I'm Karen Broadhead, and I'm the Parent Support Specialist for Life Changing Services. I've been the Parent Support Specialist for 15 years now. That's crazy. And I'm the founder and director of Mothers You Know. And wow, it's just such an online Christ-centered place for women. And we do a lot of good work there. And and we sponsor this meeting. Mothers Who Know sponsors this meeting here every month. So we're glad you're here. I am going to turn the time over to Brighton. But before I do, I just want to highlight, in case you don't know, because we, we really like them to come. We like every general to come. Everyone means so much to us, all these generals. But Wes and Spenny are the hosts of the Eternal Warriors podcast. And so when they come, we are feeling so pleased and happy about that. So 
it's fun for you if you've listened to their podcast to see them in person. That's always such a kick to see people in person that you listen to. So if you know them, we're just excited for you. I'm glad you're here that you get that chance. And they are going to help Brighton here at the beginning of the meeting facilitate a discussion on our topic and help us throughout the meeting. But we're so glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us. And and I don't, we have Brandon here as a as another general, but I'm not sure I see another one. So if I'm missing anybody, will you send me a chat and let me know that you're a general? And I'll let you decide what you'd like to do if you'd like Tim to just be a listener or a participant, Brighton. So I know he's participates in Manamorona. You probably heard that earlier. So you can just decide what you want to do there. And then, yes. So thanks for being here, everybody. We're so happy you're here. Adam might be a general. Is that Adam? Our Adam? Is that our Adam, Adam? Not sure. It might be a different Adam. Okay. Brighton. I'm going to turn it over to you. Brighton is a clinician for us at Life Changing Services. And you're going to love his story. We love it. And the person who loves it more than anybody is Lisa. Lisa from our office. She's our atmosphere angel at Life Changing Services. She might have talked to her on the phone. But she is Brighton's mother, and she and I have shared mother heart things for years. Her son arrived many years ago, just like my son did, about a year after my son joined Sons of Human years ago, before they had manpower calendars or like Dragons is a White Book. We, we started. So I've known Lisa for years, and she said, dear influence in my life. I love her. So, okay, Brighton, now for real. Now I'm turning it over to you. Thanks, Karen. Just as you were talking about how things were so different when your son and I went through the Sense of Human program, I was mentioned we didn't have like dragons in the fight. And I just had a flashback to the the little manual that we had before. And it was like 40 pages. It was skinnier than the old versions of the straight the move pamphlet. The cover, it was just like white with like a little black background with a little bit of red on it. Nothing near as cool as what you guys have now. And it's like 200 something pages. So things have come so far in that time. So a little bit about me. As Karen said, I went to the Sense of Healing program. And right, as Karen posted in the chat, we had no personal warrior trainers. We just had to figure it out. So joined the Sense of Healing program when I was 16. I was first exposed, starts showing addictive behavior tendencies when I was about eight years old. So for the majority of those eight years, I was trying to figure stuff out on my own, fighting on my own. I did tell my parents when I was 11, and then I started getting in trouble again when I was about 12. And I did not have the guts to tell them a second time, so I left breadcrumbs until eventually they caught me, which was such a relief. Started seeing a one-on-one therapist. I wasn't mature enough to do the work. Struggled alone again for a while to found a sense of humor when I was 16. Graduated just before I turned 18. Since then, I've done graduated high school, mission, marriage. My wife and I will be married five years in December. We've got two boys. Our older is getting close to four. Our younger is almost two. And all the lovely joys that come with that. Just last week, our almost two-year-old decided it's now his turn to be independent. So his favorite words are know, own, and self. He's adamant that he buckles his own high chair. He has to do everything himself. He's not tall enough. So yeah, it's a joy. Yeah, that's that's me. 
I, it's so cool having been able to go through the program. And now 10 years later, I get to run some of my own groups and it's, it's such a joy. So, so yeah, that's, that's a bit about me tonight. We're going to be talking a bit about drills before we talk about drills, what they are, how they work, how they help. I want to talk a little, Karen already introduced Wes and Spen. They're so cool. They're so awesome. I want you guys to get, just in case you don't know what the Eternal Warrior podcast is, I want you guys to have a little taste of what it is that they do. All right, Wes, Spenny, please tell us a little bit about you guys, what you're doing now, and then let's talk about some drills. Well, Spenty just turned a new nickname, and I will not be calling him anything but that for a good while now. Spen and I are, we've been really close friends for for coming on close to 10 years now. We we met at a college at Utah State. And uh, if you if you've listened to the podcast at all, you know that that we were some of the first people that we ever confided in each other regarding our our addiction and uh, and our experience that way. So I I first got involved with life changing services probably six or seven years ago, started attending a a YSA Sons of Helaman group. And it was so meaningful and changing for me and my recovery that I, I had to loop in Spence and got Spence into it. And Spence was just a house on fire as soon as he came in and was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. We've worked recovery together. We worked, we've been in like Cody Haas's group and, and Lane Hilton's groups. And I've met so many wonderfully amazing people throughout this entire experience. And we owe so much to life-changing services. What I do now, I got married in April, if you can believe it, to a real live woman. and. Her eyesight is even pretty good, which I never thought was possible for me. So that was amazing. She is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I work remotely. I work for a computer technology company because that's what people my age do. And uh, yeah, so I'll toss it over to Spency. Little Spency. No, I'm a fan. I like it. Brighton, I think Spency B. It's got a good, got a good sound to it. Let's do it. No, but yeah, I am Spencer and Wes gave a great intro as far as, you know, he and I go way back in our friendship and, and he really is responsible for me being here tonight, introducing me to a sense of human. And, and yeah, I struggled with porn and more masturbation addiction for a long time by myself before that full of a lot of shame and, and a lot of, and, and Satan was having his way with me for a long, long time. And Sons of Human and the principles taught there gave me what I needed, the tools, like what the the real stuff to help me get the help I needed and to recover from addiction. And I'm still on that journey, still on that path. And it's it's the best, nothing better than fighting. And yeah, I've got also married and, and have a little baby girl in Gracie. She's awesome. Yeah, I love these journals panelists. So thank you for being here. We love to to share these nights with you and hear any questions and thoughts you guys have and any way we can help. That's why we're here. So, and we promise we've heard it all. And what you're feeling, we've felt like we've been there. There's nothing's out of bounds for us. We, we're more than happy to chat with you about anything. That is totally true. Wes and Spency have both had so much experience with with their podcast they filled in all of the questions with the emails they received from people outside of the podcast all the questions and then they go and visit sons of human groups and then the guys in groups are pestering them trying to get all of the answers so like that so between the experience in the ring i i hope you're not feeling shame and that you can 
feel comfortable enough to ask any questions that are on your mind or share any scenarios. That said, it, it can be difficult and it can be vulnerable to, sh to share these personal experiences to try and answer these questions. And it is easier if we can see who it is we're talking to. So if you're in a place where you can turn your camera on, we invite you to, to please do that for us. Before we get to your questions, before we get to your scenarios, I do invite you pondering on those, thinking on those. We do want to give you just a, a small taste of what it is like for your children to be attending our groups. So we're going to give you teach a short lesson about one of the things that they learn. And so today we're going to be talking about drills, what they are, what their purpose is. So I'll get the ball rolling and then I'll invite Brandon. So he's a general, but he's also a personal warrior trainer. So some of your sons might be working with him. So we'll invite him to talk about drills and then Wes and Spenny as well. So when we talk about drills, we use that word in the same context as any musician would, an athlete would, and an artist would. Drills just means practice, means repetition. Um, recovery is not so much a transformation. It, it is a transformation. It is miraculous. But it's not so much a miraculous transformation as it is learning a skill set. Recovery is learning a skill set, and any skill set comes with practice. And so when we talk about drills, what we're talking about is developing a way to practice these skills you need to work recovery. The most common ones that you've probably already heard of are manpower goals, which is we take a behavior, we attach a letter to it, and then we practice it, all six of those goals every single day. And so that's one way of creating a drill. The other one you most likely heard of is a flagpole, which is a specific tool where we're running to a safe place, a location where we know we'll lose. And we practice that ahead of time so we can actually use it when we're under attack. So with that kind of definition and framework, generals, what do you have to add? What are drills? How do we create them? What are they used for? All the good stuff. Yes, I could kick us off. I, I love talking about drills. In fact, it's probably one of my favorite things to, to go over with the guys that I get to meet with. And like Brighton mentioned, manpower definitely can count as, as drills. You know, those things that we're doing every day that require discipline and consistency. Certainly those things can help us. But a lot of the guys I work with, we, we kind of add other types of drills. And one of the things I like about drills is... We can find something for everybody that is going to work and that is powerful for them. And so there's different methods to approach it. And so the framework that I usually work within to kind of give a guy an idea of what drills are is there's the push method and then there's the pull method. And the push, the way I explain it is maybe a little bit more aggressive in nature. It's physical. You're kind of moving your body. You're getting your body really involved. And so a lot of guys kind of gravitate towards like exercise, like push-ups. A big one that I like is just doing as many push-ups as you can until you get to failure. And a lot of guys like that because we're going to talk about warrior chemistry tonight. And that's like an immediate way to activate that. Kind of get your body in a different position, get your blood moving, adrenaline. And that's something worth practicing, but it's also helpful when you're actually in a battle and you get, get in a better headspace. So that would be a push method push-ups. Um, I think the example that Maurice uses in the book is like running out to your mailbox and repeating the reasons why you're fighting. So you're, again, you're getting your body activated and you're feeling that adrenaline. So those are different push methods that we can maybe talk a little bit more about. And then 
a couple examples for the pool. I like to kind of explain this as more reverent and maybe calm. You know, it's, I frame it that way, but it can still be powerful, right? So some guys that I meet with are more musically inclined and like maybe playing the piano intentionally for 10 minutes is powerful for them. It puts them in a different headspace or using something called a thought shield where they pull out something that's really powerful for them and they focus on it and what it means to them. And then maybe like meditation or doing a breathing exercise. Those are different pull methods that are, you know, you could do that sitting down or at school even, but it can still be powerful. So that's kind of the framework that I usually explain drills just to give some people ideas on what they can do. So hope that is helpful. Thanks, Brandon. I think a good question to answer would, sorry, go ahead, Spen. Yeah, I was just going to say like, for me, I'll just say really quick from Brighton, please ask your question, but drills for me, like is exactly what you have said is when we're, and we're not going to talk as much about the chemical scale tonight. So if that is something new to you, the chemical scale is awesome. Just understanding what's actually happening in our brains, but what was so game changing for me as far as drills and my recovery was the fact that for so long, I didn't realize that I was so far at the time that I needed to be fighting and like ready to go is when I was most vulnerable. Right. And, and would, and would lose battles and, and, you know, have slip ups. And so what drills did for me is when I was feeling good and when I was, you know, I was preparing for those times, right. I was, I was in, intentional so that come game time, I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't, I just have a response that, that happens and I can go to a safe place. So it's really just about, you know, the game time, if you look at it, that is it's when we're being tempted, we're, we're feeling off chemically. And sometimes it's too late to, to get out of that with addiction. You need to do all the prep work beforehand and, and be consistent with it so that come game time, you're ready to go. So that's, that's what I would say drills are for me. What I really appreciate about drills is that it's consistency. Whether you win your battle or lose your battle, you do your drills every single time. And that gives some stability that a, a heavy addict does not have in their life. And if you're able to consistently do your drills and if you're able to consistently do your drills, like you realize I have mastery over this part of my life, right? Like if I'm doing a flagpole consistently or I'm consistently doing my manpower goals, I can do that. And that fosters some type of confidence in you. There's not like when you're deep in the addiction, you have no self-worth, no confidence at all. But when you can master one corner of your life through something that's habitual and consistent in a drill, you, you, you have this shadow of stability and consistency that you can grow from. That helped me a lot realize, man, if I can do this, I can do other stuff too. Thank you all. Thanks, Brandon, for talking about the, the diversity within drills and if there's difference of focus. Spenny, you read my mind. The question I was going to ask is why do drills matter? Why are they important? And you hit it right on the head. You have to practice ahead of time so you can perform when it's game time. As an athlete preparing for a championship game, you don't practice during warm-up time. Then it's too late. You practice more for the championship game than you do for the homecoming game at the beginning of the season. Same thing as a musician. If you've got a big concert or a big rehearsal coming up, you practice more, not less. As an artist who's approaching some sort of show or exhibition or whatever it is, you work on your piece more, not less. So you practice beforehand so that you're ready. 
And then as Wes mentioned, that stability is so important. The most frequent time that guys lose battles is when there's a change in schedule. On the weekends, Labor Day weekend hit us a week or so ago. So many guys lost battles. And it's sad because we can predict it as the guys leaving groups, but there's nothing we can do about it because it's out of our hands. And so that stability is so important to win or lose. They provide structure, they provide training, and they provide the skills we need to be able to win. Thank you guys so much for your thoughts. Hey, are there any questions any of you have related to drills before we switch gears and get to your questions? You know what? I forgot to mention too. Lisa is, she kind of fields questions. So if you are thinking, I totally have a question, but I don't want to put it in the chat or say it in front of everybody, you can text or chat your question to Lisa privately. So just good to know. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. If, if you're not familiar with Zoom, I live on Zoom most of the day at work. And so if you, you, you probably, it, there's a little quote bubble at the bottom of your screen that probably has a red number into it. If you haven't clicked into it, you can click on that and a dialog box will pop up on your right. Down in the bottom, there's another blue bubble that is default set to everyone. You can click on that and go find Lisa-LCS office, select Lisa, and then you're just direct messaging her. Nobody else is going to see what you write. And so she can fill the question that way. Thank you, Wes. We'd love to hear your voice too, if you'd like to speak your question. Yeah. Someone did request in the chat that Spencer repeats what he said about drills. It's pronounced Spency and run it back, Spency. My apologies. Yeah, if you say Spencer, it's okay, but it is Spency. <laughs> now that's, of course, I would love to run back my, my thoughts. Really, it's, for me, I think back when I was fighting by myself without drills, without practice, I would get into the heat of the moment and have that, what we call the irrational conversation. It's kind of the, the good angel and the devil on each shoulder saying, hey, like, you really shouldn't be doing this. And the, oh no, like, it's okay. Or just this once, just one more time, you know, having that irrational conversation. And I'd get to that point and be like, no, I'm not going to lose. I can't, I don't want to do this. And it ended up losing a battle and it, because I was in the heat. I was in the game. It's like, right. And said, I was all, I was put into the championship game with all the pressure without having practiced at all, without having prepared. And so drills, what it really did for me was it gave me a structure to start practicing so that come game time, I didn't have to think. I just responded. I'll give you a quick example. My no goal in my manpower is no internet by myself and there, and I still, it's still my no rule today. And to drill that, I will be like, oh, I'd really like to know what the score is of this game that I'm interested in this, you know, big football game. I want to see it like, and I'll practice, I'll legit pull my phone out. Oh, I'm going to go and look at this. I'm like, no, I'm by myself. I'm not going to, and I'll throw my phone. And I'll, you know, do something else. I'll just like walk away. And that's a drill. I start practicing that so that if I ever had a flash or like a, Hey, you should, you should go check something out. I immediately throw my phone. I get out of the situation. I'm off to somewhere else. So this is just practicing that has changed my brain over time. When, when Spence says game time, excuse me, Spencey says game time. He's talking about when, when he's brain chemistry is, is off in such a way where he begins to act contrary to his value system. And that happens when we're exposed to something or we have a, 
a thought flash across our mind or we start to we start to ideate on a going to pornography as our drug of choice for our addiction. And when your brain chemistry starts to get out of balance, that's when your drilling needs to kick in and you're like, oh, like I I've, I've felt this way before. I know what to do, rely on my training so that I can get back to a, a safe space. Thank you, Wes. I do want to share a humor, sorry, a humorous true story of how drills work. So right now we're talking within the context of addiction recovery for your children. And that's completely accurate, but it works in anything else you want to do. The, the, sorry, the principle of practice is universal. Now, this is a story that was shared to me by one of our eternal warrior mentors. Her name is Kim. If you want to learn more about her, you can go to the Life Changing Services website and take one for your eternal warrior classes. And she might share the full version of the story with you. I love it. I've heard the story a number of years ago and it still speaks to me so well. <laughs> so the time Kim told me the story, her, her kids were older. Uh, they're like kind of all in the teenage range. Most of them were still at home. And so probably between like 10 and 18. And assume guessing based on what she told me. And the way that their family did family scripture study was in the morning at 6.30. That's just what worked for their family. And so the routine was that Kim would wake up and she would go through her quick morning routine, say a prayer, do what she needed to do. And then she'd walk down the hall, knocking on doors and inviting her children to come down to the living room for a family scripture study. So then she'd get down there, she'd wave their scriptures, and eventually the zombies would emerge and work their way down to the living room and pull out their scriptures. And then someone, you know, fall asleep and start to drool on their scriptures. Others would just refuse to participate. It wasn't the edifying family scripture study she hoped for. And then she learned about drills. And so for one family home evenings, the idea of doing this for family home evenings is awesome. So Monday night, she gathers the whole family together, briefly explains the concept of a drill and says, we're going to do this. I want you all to go to your rooms, turn off the lights, lay on your bed and get comfortable. I'll come knock on your door in a few minutes. So they do. All of the kids thinking mom's lost it, go to their rooms close the door, turn off the light, lay in bed. She also goes to her room, closes the door, turns off the light, lays in bed, sets her alarm for like three minutes later, just lays there in bed, is comfortable. The alarm goes off. She rolls out of bed, says a quick prayer, practices her morning routine, walks down the hall, knocking on doors, inviting her children to come down to scripture study. So they all do, open doors, walk down. They all sit down and open their scriptures. And without reading a verse, she says, thank you. Please return to your rooms. So they're rolling their eyes, thinking mom's gone absolutely bonkers, but they do it and repeat the process. Alarm goes off. Two minutes later, roll out of bed, quick prayer, morning routine, walk down the hall, knocking on doors, inviting children to come for scriptures. And they do, but without. So they sit there, open scriptures without reading the verse. She says, thank you. Please return to your rooms. Now they're all convinced mom needs to be committed or something. This is not normal. So they all go back to the rooms, lights off, door closed, lay on bed, get comfortable, except the youngest two children, but nobody knows. So alarm goes off two minutes later, Kim rolls out of bed, says a quick prayer, goes through one routine, walks down the hall, knocking on doors, and goes downstairs, and the two youngest are sitting on the couch with their scriptures open. And she just kind of looks at them, it's like, what are you doing? And they sassly say, we've been up since 5.30. So she chuckles. Everyone comes down, opens their scriptures, and she says, thank you. And then they wrap up with, you know, whatever retreat or game or whatever they're going to do. 
The next morning, alarm goes off. Kim just rolls right out of bed. She's not tired anymore. She says a prayer. She goes through her morning routine. She walks down the hall, knocking on doors, and magically her children are emerging, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, and without complaint. Walks down the stairs. The two youngest are sitting there looking absolutely miserable. And she asks, what happened? And they say, Mom, we've been up since 5.30. They had drilled and accidentally taught themselves to wake up an hour before scripture study. Drilling works. So do it right so you don't have to wake up at 5.30. Okay. And that's that's awesome. Right? And it's totally true. I love it. It's real. That's real life. Okay, unless there's thoughts or questions related to drills, we're going to switch gears. And we would love to hear what questions you have, or if there's a scenario that you're not really sure how to deal with, please share it with us. And we'll do our best to offer what insight we can. Hey, I have a question. Can, yeah. can, you, can you run through a couple of, this is awesome. I'm, I'm having a great time taking notes. I wish my boys were down here, but they're up watching a football game. So I'm going to take notes and reteach it when I get, <laughs> when I get done. But just, can you think of a couple of common examples of what someone might drill? Like Brighton, you just mentioned the scenario of scripture study, but what's something some of these boys might be doing? How would they drill, you know, what's a common challenger? I mean, obviously we're here for common challenge, but can you think of one, I, I think I heard Weston share one a long time ago on the Eternal Warrior podcast about wanting to go work out and then just ended up going home. And so I did this little drill or something. Anyway, but is there, are there others kind of like that, that that might help me relay this information? So yeah, you, you can drill this, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll give a short answer and then I'll let these guys give some specific examples. The principle of practice, the principle of drill is so amazing. Because anything you can do, so any behavior can be practiced. And essentially what it comes down to is figuring out what the behavior is, how often you're going to practice it, and then creating a reminder system. So if you can figure out those three things, what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, and how I'm going to remember it, almost anything can be turned into a drill. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And just in that same vein, like, Anytime we act contrary to our value system is, is technically a lost battle, even if it's not like in a addiction context. So yeah, like the example of, uh, man, I, my alarm's going off at, at six in the morning and I should go to the gym. I value that my value system says that that's a healthy way to start my day. And that's, that's what I should do. But my natural man is saying, nah, ain't going to do that. I don't want to do that. It's the last thing in the world that I want to do. Okay. So I'm, I'm in a conflict right there. I don't feel like doing the thing that I value doing. And so anytime that I, I feel, I feel like I don't want to do what I know I should, that's an opportunity for me to put my training into practice. And so to what Spence was saying earlier, I'm pointing to him because that's what my Brady Bunch squares looks like is he's right there for me. The, the time to practice that is when you are feeling like that is something that you want to do so that you can infuse those, those, those behaviors, those habits. I don't even want to call them habits, those automatic responses in the, the time when, when you do need it. It's like, man, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good right now. How can I practice 
what it feels like to wake up and not want to go to the gym, right? So maybe, you know, like a way for me to drill that is, man, it's Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. It's, it's not football season. So I've got nothing else to do. And so I'm going to go hop in bed. I'm going to go to the gym. But what I'm going to do first is I'm going to go hop in bed and I'm going to pretend like I'm waking up on day one. And the last thing on earth that I want to do is drag my bones over to the gym or whatever. Okay. So then you, you set your alarm. You do exactly what you would do. Make it as realistic as possible. And push yourself through that. Just be like, okay, like this is what it feels like to actually go through and 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 act according to my values. So that's one example. The same thing could be like if we're talking about a potential pornography masturbation situation. Late night, like it's it was this guy for me, right? Like this was sorry, it, it actually looked it's it's a blurry picture of me and my wife. This is not explicit material, I promise. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, but for me, as soon as I as soon as I stopped sleeping with my phone in my room, it was a game changer, right? I just made that like a, a border right there, but I had to drill that. I had to be, because like, I wanted to be connected. Like Spence, I'm a sports fan. I, I wanted to, to see, you know, did Albert, Pujol, Albert Pujols get to 700 home runs? Is, is Aaron Judge chasing around Jamiris? All these exciting things that are happening. But you know what? The stat sheet isn't going to change overnight. I can look tomorrow morning, right? And I ain't missing out on anything. And so being able to, when my mind is like, oh, I would rather have that little hit of dopamine of like knowing what happened or checking my text messages or whatever. Like, again, I'm in conflict. It's just like waking up in the morning, like, no, like I'm, I'm going to drill, putting my phone on the charger in the living room and go to bed and do that when I'm feeling good about it so that it's automatic when it needs to be. Sorry, long-winded. Shutting up. You know, it's so awesome. I'll just add one really quick. Another example that really helped me was showers were a dangerous place for me. And of course, naturally. And so what I started drilling is I would repeat my favorite poems every time I would go into the shower. And so that's what I would, that's what I was thinking about. It, was, it reminds me of my reasons for fighting. And all of a sudden, over time, consistently, the shower did not become a, a battleground. So that's another small, it, can, it doesn't have to be something miraculous. It can be really, really simple. Karen is requesting that you repeat one of your favorite poems for us. Heck yeah. Like, hey, no, this is, I legit, this morning, well, yeah, I showered this morning. So, <laughs> okay. Invictus. I'm not sure, I'm sure you guys have heard this one before, but out of the night that covers me, black is the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, I, my face is bloodied but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Thank you. One other quick example. Hopefully your sons are learning about Border Patrol, or in other words, the defense system. It's the things they're doing all throughout their day to keep themselves safe. So that includes manpower, but it's other things as well. And most of those other things will be drills. One of the drills that I practiced at the height of my Border Patrol was three times a day. I had specific times. I had alarms set on my phone. And at those times, I would practice creating warrior chemistry without leaving the ring. If you're not familiar with what that is, the 
very condensed version is that there are a whole bunch of chemicals and chemistry within the human body. And Satan has figured out how to manipulate and leverage those to get us to do things contrary to our moral But God gave us one so intense and so powerful and so uncorruptible that when we engage it, it wipes all other chemicals out of our system. And we call it warrior chemistry because it is a combination of compassion and charity combined with generosity. How dare you attack these who are mine? And so I would practice creating that without leaving the room that I was in three times a day. And typically what that looks like as the alarm goes off, I remember what it is like to be under attack. The emotions, the physical sensations that come with that deviant chemistry. And then I jump up out of my chair and I would just pace intensely back and forth in the room, repeating my reasons for fighting, reminding myself of who I am, my true identity as revealed to me through my patriarchal blessing and other private sacred experiences and reminding Satan why he had better be afraid of me. And I would repeat that until I engaged that warrior chemistry. And by practicing it those three times a day, when I wasn't under attack, it made it so much easier to engage it when I was under attack. Thank you for your question, BJ. I hope that was helpful. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I was just going to throw out a couple. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Uh, a couple of drills that came into my mind. And the thing about drills that I think is really cool is they get to pick these, right? Like with the manpower, there's a little bit of flexibility and creativity involved, but with drills, like, you know, it's all on them. And that's why I mentioned in the beginning that some guys are like super passionate about music. Some guys like working out and physical stuff. And so it's like, okay, well, what do you like? What gets you going? And, and we can build off of that, right? Because that's something that they already are interested in. And just a couple of drills came to my mind while everybody was sharing was I have a couple guys that if something that they drill, but they also do it when they're having a battle is they'll just, if they're alone, which typically we know that they are, they'll just go out into like a public space. They don't have to tell anybody what's going on, but they're just going out and they're being around other people and connecting because we know that connection is the antidote to addiction. And I love that quote. So that's their drill is they leave their room and they go out to their living room and they connect with their family. Maybe that's just sitting down and watching a movie or playing a game with their sisters, but that's a drill. And that's something that they can do even when they're not having a battle so they can practice. So that like Spencer said, when they do have a battle, they don't have to think about what to do. They can just go do it. Another one that I recommend a lot, and I get to, I'm glad I get to say this with Wes and Spencer both in here, is the Eternal War podcast. It's like that, that intro alone, if that doesn't get you feeling warrior chemistry, then I don't know what will. So that's another one that guys will listen to when they're either having a battle or when they're just practicing a drill. And those are just a couple of examples of ways that you can feel warrior chemistry. Thank you, Brandon. What other questions? Do you have, or what other scenarios are in your home that we might be able to try and offer our insight to? I'm so sorry. What was the question? I was, I was asking if there was one. So oh, here's what we'll do. I'll make up one. We'll not make up. This is one of our most common questions. Uh, I'll, and then we'll have you guys answer it. And then after you guys answer the question, I'll offer a couple of resources. So one of the most common questions is as a parent, what can I do to help? And what am I likely doing that is unhelpful? I, I can speak to this in whatever supporting role you might find yourself in, whether it's to your child or your spouse. I strongly recommend not making this addiction the sole focal point of your entire relationship. When I was a, a teenager, my mom was my porn police officer and it hurt our relationship. It's all we talked about. 
and it made me resent her. And she kind of resented me as well. She's like, I don't like doing this any more than you do, but I think this is what I'm supposed to do in order to help you. And sure, you need to talk to your, your kid or to your spouse about this. You need to have a frequent conversation about this. But if that's all you talk about, anytime you approach that person, they're going to know what you're talking to them about and they're going to avoid that conversation. It's like your relationship isn't founded on that mutual trust that you love them. No matter, like, well, I'm not saying that. What am I saying? I'm saying that it's so much easier to talk about hard things when you can talk about easy things, if that makes sense. I like think on that really quick, and then we'll go to Spency. There's the fancy people in white coats like to do all sorts of math and try and take human relationships and stick numbers to them. They're weird humans, but we're grateful for them some of the time. One of the rules that they apply to marital relationships, and this applies in other relationships as well, in healthy relationships, anytime there are five good positive things sent to your partner to every one negative thing that is said, whether that's some sort of negative critique or whatever, there are five things of gratitude, appreciation, affection, compliment, whatever it is to every one negative thing. A similar ratio applies to other things. If you want your son to be open with you and to share his difficult losses, his hard wins, if you want him to be able to talk with you about it, spend roughly four or five times the amount of time talking with your son about anything else. If you want, just for example, if you want a five-minute conversation with your son every day about his progress or his failures at a different time of the day, you should plan on 20 to 25 minutes doing something that he likes, whatever that is, just as a rough guideline. Hey, Spencer, you had something. Yeah, I, I just always, whenever this question is asked, I always bring up my mom because obviously that's the only one I've ever had. And she just, the way that she handled these types of conversations, I was actually thinking about it today to Bryant, to, oh my God, it's Bryant. It's called Bryant. I guess I can call you Bryant. You call it. All right. So Bryant, yeah, to your point, one of the things that my mom consistently instilled in me, even when I was feeling like I could not win this thing, I could not figure this out, kept having lost battles. I just, I was losing hope. And I was not believing in myself. She continued to voice out loud how much confidence she had in me. She's like, I know this You're We're going to figure this out. You have like you, I don't know. She just would say things and, and it wouldn't always resonate because I didn't believe it. And, you know, myself, but over time, I just always knew that she believed in me. So any, however that works with your child, if you can voice that that absolute unconditional support of just like, you got this, you can do this. I believe in you. I know it's hard what you're going through. And I don't know, she would say, I don't have the answers. I don't know how, I don't know what we're going to do or what we're going to figure this out. And she would also just bear her testimony too. She would just say as much confidence as I have in you, I have even more confidence in Jesus Christ. You know, like he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to live. He is mighty to save. So I would just, as best you can, that's the message. That's the, that's what's coming, resonating from you. As frustrating as it can be to be in that supporting role and watch your loved one lose battles, that would be my, that would be my main, my main thing I would recommend. Thanks.
Brandon, do you have anything you'd like to add? No. Okay. I think Wes and Spencer covered it. Thanks. Okay. Got a couple of things. So first, so when you enroll in the program, you should receive a copy of this book, Like Dragons That They Fight. This contains all of the tools, all of the skills that we use in Sons of Helaman. So it's helpful for you to read as, as parents or supporters, just so you understand the, the vernacular that they'll use in group. But also, there's a cheat sheet. We have like 30 pages of an apparent appendix in the back of this book. And this has been compiled by clinicians as well as guys who graduated from the program and guys who are just struggling through the program. So you've got advice from qualified clinicians, therapists. You've got advice from the kids who are working through it, been through it, done it. And they've got lists of this is what works. This is what I recognize. I've got good intentions, but please stop because it's unhelpful. So please look into this resource, the parents appendix in here. Um, and I'm sure Karen will share with us later. There's so many other cool resources available for parents. Tap into those because they're helpful. The, the Fathers Who Fight podcast, Mothers Who Know, the very cool plethora of podcasts that we have available for you guys to listen to, all those kind of cool things. One other quick point I will make, and then we'll move on to another question. Oftentimes, parents' roles are different. Wes and Spenny both talked about their moms. And Wes talked about the relationships Ben talked about how there's that, that cheerleading kind of support from a mom. And typically that does tend to be the mother's role. Not always, but often. Other times what happens is, well, not necessarily other times. Oftentimes what happens is when the father is also invested in the fight, he takes on a role either of accountability partner or sometimes it's battle but and this was my story i don't know if you've been watching lisa's video at all but sometimes you can see my dad's elbow sticking out and the side pain a little bit there he is that's my battle but when i was going through the program one of the things my parents accidentally did right there was no ogden group and that's where i lived so we would drive 45 minutes to farmington listen to maurice for two hours and drive 45 minutes back i didn't have a driver's license and again this is one of the brilliant things my parents did on accident so my mom's out there reading a book in the car for two hours. I come out, I sit in the car, we get on the road, start driving. And within 10 minutes, she asks, what did you learn? So that means I actually had to pay attention and grip long enough so I could remember one thing to share with my mom. So I did. And then we get home and then my dad asks, what did you learn in group? So that means I had to pay enough attention that I could remember one thing for at least 10 minutes, share it with my mom. And then remember it for at least another 30 or 45 minutes to share it with my dad. If you know anything about how, the, how memories become encoded, it's through repetition. So my parents were accidentally doing master's level psychology on me by getting me to repeat something so it'd sink in. In addition to that, my dad wanted to not just learn what I was in group just for the academic level of it. But he wanted to use the skills I was learning to help him with his stuff. So he'd ask me in-depth questions, stuff like, how do I use a flagpole? Like, well, I don't know. You're not fighting the same thing as me. So I had to learn. I had to understand the principles in enough depth that I could share them with him. And he could use them alongside me and become my battle buddy. When they eventually did invent manpower, we had our manpower counters next to each other. And as the arrogant teenager, I couldn't let my dad beat me. So my manpower obviously had to exceed his. There's one time where I was totally messed up on the chemical scale. And so my dad says, race me to the flagpole and sprints out the door. Again, 
arrogant, prideful teenager. I can't let him win. And so I have to blow past him and get to the flagpole a lot faster than he can. And so being my battle ability was so helpful. Now, maybe this is a dynamic that works in your family. Maybe it's not. But it, when you tap into resources like this and like the podcast, you can find those resources that will help you be helpful, be a better supporter. Somebody was asking in the chat how old I was. I joined the program when I was 16. So between 16 and just before I turned 18 was when I was working this, this kind of relationship with my, my dad. If I can add something to that, Brighton, the yeah. only way we were able to do what we did is we listened to the Holy Ghost with that we, inspiration. Be in a place where you can receive inspiration and ask for it so you can do those right things, even if you don't know that they're the right things. Thank you. Okay. Are there other questions? Are there scenarios that we can offer insight on? Okay. Question in the chat is, what if the dad isn't involved? My dad wasn't really comfortable talking about, I mean, nobody's comfortable talking about it, but my, my dad was not as involved in my recovery conversation as in retrospect, as I would have liked him to be. And I think as he would have liked to be, and I think that was a missed opportunity. And so if there, if your family dynamic is as such where, you know, like that's an opera, like your husband or, or the father figure is in the picture that, that can be inserted into the conversation, I strongly recommend that you do give it a shot, be awkward with it, get I mean, it's a middle school dance. Everybody is, is awkward and nobody knows what they're doing, but you just figure it out together. I really recommend doing that. If, if your, your husband or father figure is, is not in the picture, or at least in, in a way that you feel like would be, would be beneficial. I'd strongly recommend that, that your, your warrior does have a, a male role model to, to look up to when going through this. And that can be in a myriad ways that could be a church leader that could be a, a youth leader that could be bright that could be fancy over there for sure you know like anyone that that they can envision themselves as as men i'd like to be more like that person someday and and conduct myself accordingly that's a good thing that that visual of a middle school middle school dance dude that's it that's what it's like talking about pornography like that was that's it like Wes genius you sick genius you I mean er everyone's in the gym and looking across the room at each other everybody what? knows what's going on so much sweat so what you're, what you're supposed to do a lot of sweat so awkward too much oh, I just I remember I'm actually trying to think okay so the guy's hands go on the hips right the girls go up on the shoulders, you know? Yeah, you're, you're also assuming that the, usually the young women are growing at a faster rate than the band at, the, at this point. So that is perhaps the arm positions are, are alternated, right? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is this girl put her hands on my hips? So I didn't know where to put my hands. And so, yeah, it was like the weirdest. I just, yeah, I don't know. It was the most obvious. Yeah. So. I just needed to make a comment real quick about that. That's brilliant, Wes. But, but like, to your point, that's how you learn how to dance, right? And then you get to Weber High, Spence, and you're the belle of the ball. And I'm such Everyone a, wants to cut a rug with Spence. I was right? 
just flinging those dancers. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, that's not a great analogy because I did not become a better dancer. But but no, that's a good point. Is you just have to do it, right? You just have to go to the middle school dance. Just have to accept the awkward, accept the uncomfortable. And then over time, it becomes less and less uncomfortable. I think you just won the chat with what he said that he does to to win battles. That was the coolest thing ever. Just won the chat. Thanks, Wes. It's been you and Tim. Brandon, you've been patiently waiting to share that. <laughs> I couldn't interrupt the dance story, man. No, I too didn't have a father figure super involved in my recovery really at all. But when I started the program, I was engaged. So I was living on my own, I guess, at that point. And then I got married. So I wasn't living at home that time either. And so, yeah, I, I can empathize with no father figure, but it's still possible, obviously, to kind of repeat what Wes was saying. Church leaders are obviously a great resource. My bishop also, I, I could vibe that he didn't really want to talk about it any more than he had to, right? So we had our meetings when I would have a lost battle and he would do his best, but I could tell that, you know, he hated it as much as I did. Uh, and thankfully I was in a Men Moroni group, right? So a lot of the people in that group were a lot older than me. And so I got to connect with them maybe in that, you know, they're older and more experienced type of way. But I was just going to say, I also connected with my therapist in a pretty good way. And he was very helpful. And, you know, he's not, couldn't fill that father role all the way, obviously. He can only do what he can do. But just leaning on his fellow warriors, I mean, people that obviously can empathize all the way with him. And, and I don't know, they, they know what he's going through. So leaning on them, I know there's an awesome app right now going around. It wasn't a thing back in my day, but it's called Relay. And it's an app where they can connect with their fellow warriors and, and check in with each other. So that's obviously a good one. But also, you know, it doesn't have to be a bishop at church. I think, you know, they could find other church leaders, maybe like a young men president or something like that, that they could confide in. I had a couple of friends from church that were, you know, again, a little bit older and more wise, and they were super helpful as well. So really relying on people in the church. And also, like I said, just the relay app and connecting with people that are right there with them going through the same stuff. Thanks, Brandon. Um, Brandon? Yeah, go ahead. Maybe you can describe how a parent might know if a warrior's chemicals are off so that they know, you know, like dad ran to the flag or challenged you to, ra to a race to the flagpole. How would a parent know if chemicals are off so they could be a support in that way? Look, dad, I'm going to pick on you first. It's, it was over 10 years ago that that happened, but do you remember what you noticed? I don't remember the exact specifics, but I know the principles. You can tell at first, you know, okay, well, let's, let me rephrase this. Read the book. Read like dragons so they fight. Practice the principles in your own life. I mean, for me, there's lots of things that go against my values, like eating too much, being angry with my kids. Lots and lots of things. Practice the principles and you'll be able to tell when they're off. The Holy Ghost will tell you moms are exceptional at it because they have an added gift because they're a mom. <clears throat> but so let's, let's talk about things. There's their attitude. They're down in the dumps. They're, they don't care about anything. They don't want to do anything. Those are some of the signs. Usually they're facing some kind of a mood battle. Yep. And, and you can see that. A common battle that gets all of us is I don't want to. Just, you know, you're asked to do something. 
and you don't want to do it. I have that. We all have that. But that's how you know you're getting messed with. And obviously, as you know more about the chemical scale, you can see that it's that they're progressing worse down there. But yeah, he was down in the dumps. He wasn't responding, doing his normal, jovial, happy self. And it's like, what can I do? And all he goes is race to the flagpole. So I did. We did it fairly often after that, too. It was, it was fun. She, oh, just winter, North Ogden, ice, snow everywhere, right and ran barefoot <clears throat> for a quarter mile to where the flagpole was at the church. Respect continues to grow for Brighton. Every <laughs> Thanks, Nancy. So in the chast, or in chast, wow, I am so good at English today. In the chat, I put a whole bunch of emotion words. That is for an acronym we call. So this is not all, but the most common mood battles that we face. And when we talk about mood battle, we're referring to the chemical scale which is a description of how the energy in our brain moves. So right here behind the forehead is what we call the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of your brain that when that part is functioning, that part is firing, that's where your judgment and moral code is, along with creative thinking and a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. So when the energy is here, you act within your moral code. When the energy moves back here to the middle of your skull between the ears is what we call the limbic system. And it's pure, not, not necessarily even purely emotional, but it's purely primal, where only their natural man instincts matter. It's eat, sleep, breathe, drink, all of those kinds of things. And so the level two mood battle is what sets us up. We're getting close to that transition point of my values no matter, they no longer matter. And so I'm going to do something that is carnal, something primal to relieve the pain. Something that was a, a fascinating rediscovery for me. And this is something that the Holy Ghost taught me while I was listening to the Eternal Warrior podcast. Let's see how many times we can plug that tonight. I don't even remember what episode it was. But what the Holy Ghost reminded me of is God made his children powerful. So powerful, the only way Satan stands a chance is when he attacks us at our most vulnerable. He doesn't attack us at our most vulnerable because he's a jerk, which admittedly he is, but he does it because it's the only way he stands a chance. I love reminding the young men in my group that they are not only children of God, but they have a body. And Joseph Smith taught that just because they have a body, they have more power than Satan. And, and they are covenant children of the house of Israel, entitled to all of the blessings that come with that, all of the power that comes with that. And they have made covenants, baptismal covenants, where they have taken upon themselves the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is power in that covenant. I love reminding young men in my group that they have received the Aaronic priesthood. They have the same power God has used to help create the earth. They have the power to call down the ministering of angels. Satan does not stand a chance unless he manipulates their chemistry to get them into a place of emotional pain where they are hurting enough, they'll consider one of his pain first. So as you get to know your son, you've seen it. You've seen when he's doing great. Not necessarily even when he's, he doesn't necessarily have to be happy to be doing well, 
But when he's in a good place, where he's in a somber, edifying, or happy place, where he's willing to do whatever needs to be done, where whether or not he feels like it isn't a question. It's just needs to be done. Okay, I'll do it. He's in a good place. When he's any of those things, from I'm gesturing to my other screen where the chat is, I just did what Wes did a couple minutes ago. <laughs> when he's any of those things from blast, that's a sign that something needs to be fixed. If he doesn't find an edifying way to address the emotional pain he's in, he will fall for one of Satan's pain bookers. So by paying attention to your son, paying attention to yourself, because you have to learn it in yourself before you can recognize it in another human being, then you can be able to do those kinds of things where you can challenge your son to race you to the flagpole or see, oh, this would be fun. Moms, challenge your son to see who can do more push-ups and then text me when you beat them because that will be hilarious. He'll be humiliated and it'll be awesome. And then he'll go do more push-ups in his room so he can beat you next time. That's a fun next image. Okay, thoughts, questions? I just have a quick thought as you were saying that, Brayton, is like, oh man, those nasty mood battles. Because not just how they change your chemistry in the moment, but if not dealt with, can carry through days, weeks of apathy. And like, I can even just say recently, I've felt that, right? That to avoid the feelings I have or the, the things that I'm feeling. And instead of like addressing them, like you said, in a healthy way, like some sort of drill, some sort of, you know, run into that church flagpole with no shoes on, on the ice, but that's what changes our, that's what helps us address it, snap out of it, come, come to the present moment instead of continuing to spiral with our feelings and our emotions and our pains. And I've just felt if it's not, I just, I just wanted to add that if it's, you know, it may not result in an immediate lost battle, but probably will eventually. And in other ways, just slowly over time, it just it can change the, the trajectory of a week, a month, a year, you know? So I just want to throw that in there. Thank you. Before we move to another question, I do want to backtrack a little bit ago. Comment was made about bishops. I just want to make a really quick point here. Even if the individual who is the bishop is unhelpful, it is essential that a bishop is involved in the recovery process. Because of the nature of the sin, Satan is manipulating your sin to do against his will. A bishop has to be involved. That mantle, those keys, my bishop, when I was going through the recovery process, he's several decades older than me, fantastic businessman, awesome charitable giver, could not understand my problem. Um, so I meet with him and he's like, dude, you're handsome. Just go date a real girl instead of looking at the screens. I meet with you because I have to, but you're incredibly unhelpful right now. So there's that point. It's even if I, I hear some awesome stories about how bishops try to be so helpful and be so involved. And sometimes they develop an incredible relationship with the man and can be so helpful. Even if he's not, those keys are necessary to be involved. Okay, let's switch gears. We've got time for one more question and then we'll, we'll shift gears and go to the highlighted or in my biased opinion, highlighted. So this question is, what was a turning point for, or the turning point for you? Go, Wes. Go. 
It was a loaded question. I phrased it that way on purpose. Uh, Teacher, why is it a trick question? It is a trick question. Yeah. Because that's what I, what I thought of right immediately as you asked the question is there's been so many turning points throughout my journey. There've been, there've been pretty monumental ones, but man, it's a jury. It's, it's not a one-time turn. I wish it was, I wish it was just like a, a turn away and never go back, you know, leave Babylon behind, leave Jerusalem, you know, just go in your ship and sell to the Americas. But nope. Sometimes you go back, but I think for me, a couple of comments that have made, been made throughout the, the main turning point, I think one of the main turning points for me was realizing that I wasn't the enemy, that I wasn't the problem, that it really, there was an actual being that wanted to hurt me and wanted to destroy me, wanted to make me feel like crap about myself. And, and he was cheating and manipulating me and just being a terrible, terrible being. And, and I think that it gave me, it gave me power back. It gave me power back to understand that. Say, you know what, Satan, you mean sucker. Like I, I am awesome. This problem I have has nothing to do with who I am. Zero. I am awesome. But I'm struggling with this. And so, and I'm going to crush your freaking head. I'm going to show, I'm going to do everything in my power to win this thing. And it just changed the whole battle. Instead of I was fighting against myself, 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 I, I, I identified the real enemy and started fighting the right, the right being. For me, I don't think I, 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 my recovery did not take off until I stopped living paradise, paradise. We talk about this in one of the Eternal Warrior podcast episodes, but where we kind of thought like, oh, now I get it. Or now I understand. I've just had an aha moment or something just clicked and now I'll never struggle again. As soon as I realized that that wasn't realistic and that wasn't even in retrospect what I wanted in my recovery, that was a huge turning point for me to realize like temptation will always be there. But as a result, that forces me to develop a very proactive, very disciplined and very intentional character. And I like being that type of person. I, I would, I would rather trade having a, a I, or I would, I would much rather have a, a challenge that I deal with my whole life. That doesn't mean I succumb to my addiction, but that I, I maintain a temptation my whole life that I have to be on guard all the time, then some lame who doesn't have to deal with anything and just kind of wusses their way through life. That's not what I want out of my mortality. We get life once and I want, I want all the smoke. I want everything that Satan can throw at me because that forces me to become one bad mamma jamma. And that's who I want to be. That's what I want on my tombstone. You know, I want the dash between my ears to mean something and to count for something. And, and with like, in a weird way, I'm grateful for, I won't say I'm grateful for my addiction, but I'm grateful for my mortality because it's taught me to be humble, that I need the Lord more than anything, that I need friends. I need community like all of you, but that I'm going to make more out of my life because I'm acutely aware of my weaknesses and I'm going to be 
just absolutely rigid in my, in my approach. And I love that. Love that about my life. And as soon as I, I realized that, that was my big kind of turning point, my, my recovery. Thanks, Wes. Go ahead, Brandon. Okay. I think like Spencey said, there's, I think we all can look back and have multiple turning points, but two popped in my head right away. So I'll go with those two. The first one was when I was about to start the program. And so my, I had a bishop recommend life-changing services to me and like, I just blew him off. I was like, no, thanks. And then I met a girl and she got baptized and I decided that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And I decided I was going to propose and I didn't. And that's when I said, okay, dude, you got a decision to make. And that was probably the first time in my life that I had something that I was scared to lose, right? Something that pushed me like beyond anything. And so I found that thing. And that was a turning point for me because it lit a fire under me. And even though when I started the program, I wasn't perfect. Brighton was actually my personal warrior trainer. So he can testify to that. But because I was committed and because I had that turning moment, I, I never gave up. And that was definitely a turning point. And a turning point recovery wise for me was when I started to realize the daily applications of the principles taught at Life Genuing Services, right? So we've talked a little bit about the chemical scale today, but essentially that's kind of how I lost battle happens, right? And that was like crazy to me because like, it's always just been a bad habit. I say, I'm never going to do it again. And then I do it again. And like, that was it. And like for years, that was it, right? And that was a struggle. And so the chemical scale breaks it into pieces, like real pieces, right? Like this is what happened. We talked a lot about level two today, like the mood battle, feeling sad, feeling angry, and how that leads to being vulnerable and how Satan takes advantage of that vulnerability and he gives us an easy way out. And so when I realized that, that that was how I was losing every time and I could actually learn from that and start catching those patterns, that was a turning point for me. And that's when I, I started winning. So those are the two that came to my mind. Thanks, guys. I think a common theme through all of this is that it's, to use Spence's words, it's a journey, not a moment. It's recovery is a process and there's a lot of little moments. Sometimes there's moments that stick out bigger than others, but recovery is a process. Like we talked about at the beginning, I mean, it's a skill set. And you have to practice the skill set. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one step back, get knocked over three steps sideways, come back on track. And it's you practice, you practice, you practice, and you have to learn a little bit at a time, work a little bit at a time. And it's just a process. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. The time is running short, so we're going to wrap up by inviting our generals to share their reasons for fighting. And then we'll give, after that, a little bit of time that's left to Karen. Brandon, you've had the opportunity to talk least, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk first. Why do you fight? I fight so that I can be the warrior that my wife deserves. I fight so that I can be worthy of her trust and that I can show up for her every day. I fight because I'm powerful and I have an eternal potential. And I know that I'm going to do amazing things with my life. I fight because I know what it feels like to lose. And I know what it feels like to be hopeless. And so I fight to never feel that way again. And I fight because 
I love winning and I love being in control of my life and being able to make decisions based on how, based on what I know is right rather than based on how I feel. And I don't give up because I know that Satan is real and that this war is real. And that's why I fight. Thank you. Spency, why do you fight? Oh, man. So many feelings and thoughts tonight. I love being here. First of all, it was you guys are awesome. All the questions and parents, I just, I fight for you guys. I fight so that you know that you're, whatever you're struggling with, no matter how painful and terrible and alone that it can make you feel, like you, you can do it. You can, I, I just, I fight to, to be a real life example of that. I know that I don't know your name, guest one, but you sweet sister, thank you so much for being here. I just, your note struck me so deeply about your son being in the room, listening to this and I fight for your boy. I fight for you that you're listening to this, but it's hard. You don't want to come on screen. I get it. And it's okay. And it's, you feel alone. You, you don't want to, you don't want to show some of those scars till they hurt and it sucks. And uh, just know that, that you're okay, that you are awesome. You are loved. I fight to, to be present for moments like this when, when others are hurting or in pain that I can help and to fight for my wife. She deserves the best me. And, and I always say this, but the best me is a, is a porn masturbation free spinny. The best me is a fighting spinny that's intentional. And I fight for Gracie to be a dad that, that is present for her. Just thinking about, you know, all the things that she's going to go through. Who knows when it's going to be so many challenges ahead, but that she'll have a dad that's there for her that, uh, that's going to be present no matter what she needs. And uh, that she knows that she's worthy of love. She's She's beautiful and wonderful. So, so many feelings. Guys, I'm so sorry. That's why I fight. And that's why I won't give up. Thanks, Benny. Wes, why do you fight? And old Spencey and his feelings, he's going to get me going here. I fight because that's, that is in my character. I don't know any other way. And people like Spencer and Bright and Karen have taught me that and shown me my true identity that there's no quit in me and there's no quit in my wife i love my izzy she is so much better than i could ever hope to be she is the coolest raddest and she's just so dang cute and fun i love being with her all the time we both work from home and we get nothing done it's the best i just love hanging out with her all the time but to what Spence said, I cannot and do not, and like, I, I can't be her husband in this addiction. I can't. She doesn't deserve that. And I certainly don't deserve her. At least that addicted person does not deserve her. So I fight for us and for our future. But when we have little Gracies of our own and when, you know, like life is so, so good. Mortality is too awesome to waste in this field. We fought so valiantly to come here and experience the best that life has to offer. 
And what, what message do I send to my children, to my wife, and to my Lord if I'm not about taking advantage of that great gift? If I say, nah, I'd rather waste my strength in sin, excuse me, waste my strength in sin, like that, that's not, that's not acceptable. And many of you know this, but I, I lost my dad to cancer last year at the age of 61. It'll be a year and one week since he passed. Life comes and goes very fast. And I want to be like my dad who, who lived his life, who didn't, who, who was there for his kids, the way that Spence is for his the way that we all want to be for ours. My dad was that. He's kind of a like a folk hero to me. And if you knew him, you you knew, you know what I'm talking about. And that guy understood that life is too good and too short to to spend doing doing Satan's bidding. And I'm not about that. And I don't give up again because of that finite clock that we all have. That life is mortality is finite and I don't want to waste a second. That's why I fight and why I won't give up. Thanks Wes. I fight. So I have the ability to feel so that when I come home from work and my little boy says, Dad, yeah! that I can be delighted at that. Not enough. I fight because I pray. I will be an instrument in God's hands to help some of your sons. I fight because Satan messed with the wrong man's wife. He will ruin the day he chose to mess with her. I will work so much good in this earth that when I die, all of hell will take a breath of relief because I'm gone. That's why I fight. Thank you so much for being here tonight. We really love being able to answer your questions. When, Go ahead, Karen. Can we love TJ's? Why he fights? I love to hear TJ say why he's fighting. TJ's the man. I always love his readings. So TJ's a clinician for Sons of Peel, and he works out of Syracuse. On Thursday nights, no less, where I run the group that goes all the way up until 8.30, so there's like a 20-minute window. And and you're here every month. You're here every month. Why you fight? We love it. Tonight, I've been listening to every one of you guys, so, so let me just mention a couple of things. First of all, I fight to be in this moment right here, knowing that there's nothing I could add than, than, than what's already been said. Wes, when I saw your face tonight, I was thinking about you a year ago when you talked about leaving spend some time with your dad. Dear friend of mine actually just died three weeks ago from stage four colon cancer. Absolute epic individual at 61 years old, Wes. So I feel that reason deeply. He was an amazing man. And I fight for his memory, that it's a living memory and it never gets stale. 1989 article in the New Era called The Power of Commitment by President, well, it was then Elder Ballard. I was struggling on my mission. thought about it as I was listening to you all. There's a statement in there that, that, that I'll just share with you. And that'll be really what I, because I, I could go a while on this one tonight. <laughs> I was having a difficult time finding my place, remembering my identity on my mission. And there was a statement that's helped me darn near every day of my life since then. And it goes like, in essence, it's this. We need to be committed 100%, but to do that, we need to have the help of the Lord. We need to have the discipline to do the things that we have committed to do long after the emotion under which we have made the commitment has died. So I fight for the moments after the emotion has been strong, when it's about grit and grind, 
knowing that that's exactly where my savior likes to meet me, likes to work with me because the warm fuzzies are cool and the spiritual, spiritually powerful stuff is awesome. But his atonement is for life in the trenches and he meets me in the furnace. That's where I, I meet my savior. And I'm grateful for his willingness to, when you asked earlier, Brighton, about what's a turning point, it's a continual turning point. Christ's atonement is continuous. So I fight to rush to repent. I fight because I'm broken. I'm a beggar, but with Christ's help, I'm everything to him and everything to my wife and my kids. And now 633 members of my ward as a young bishop. That's why I fight to be worthy of every moment. They come knocking at the door and I'm grateful for those opportunities. So I'm just glad to be here. Thank you, Karen, as always. And every one of you guys. When I leave, it helps me be a better man when I walk in that door after group every night, every night I, I, I leave one of these. So thank you. Thank you, TJ. And thank you so much for joining us this evening, everyone. We really have appreciated you here and no one more than these awesome men who have served us tonight. Thank you so much. You generals, thanks so much, Brighton. We really appreciate your leadership facilitating our meeting. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSAA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know. And on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know last if you would like additional support and training please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms you can also go to the mothers you know website at mothers or our parent company life-changing services at life-changing to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones thank you so much for listening today Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.